may be the most important virtue of our time, and it's vanishing. Let's talk about it with Richard Foster and Brenda Quinn on Steve Brown, etc. He's an old white guy, an author, broadcaster, and seminary professor who's sick of religion. And he's brought friends. Please welcome Steve Brown, etc. Hey, we're so glad you're here. I say it every time, and I mean it every time. Uh, You always have a seat at our table. In case you're wondering, I'm Steve, the aforementioned old white guy. Matthew Porter, our executive producer, is here, and sad to say, he has failed to sell his medical-themed Christmas script to Hallmark. It's titled A Christmas Hernia, and for some reason, they couldn't deal with it. (laughs) And our producer, Jinx, is working hard in this little glass booth. Jinx, you have a favorite Christmas movie? Yes. (laughs) The one with the BB gun. Ah, yes. <laughs> See where I went with that? Classic. <laughs> yes. And our our video director and one-man IT department, John Myers, is in his tech bunker. And with John's big light display, and it is truly amazing, IT's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Of course, nobody sees it because he lives in a gated community. And uh, you have to know the password or get permission. One, two, uh, three, four. <laughs> that's the way he keeps thousands <laughs> from seeing his light display. <laughs> and Dr. George Bingham is the president of Key Life. And if you get too cold this month, George says nothing gives you warm feelings like making a tax-deductible donation <laughs> to Key Life. And Kathy Wyatt, of course, is the soft, feminine side of the program. Hey, Kathy, you were telling me yesterday about the gingerbread Christmas party you hosted. That Tell us a little bit about that. That sounded so good. Well, Matthew and his wife, Stephanie, actually held the party because I can't get that many children and that many parents in my house. But we had nine children and seven adults, and they all made gingerbread houses and had more candy than they knew what to do with. And I made gingerbread cookies, which they decorated. And then, of course, yeah, we had to roast hot dogs out by the fire. And then we had to roast marshmallows so we could make s'mores and have homemade ice cream. So I sent those nine children home on an incredible sugar high with very strange looking, very strange looking parents who were just thinking, oh, Lord, please let us get home and get these children bathed and into bed. But I had a fabulous time. (laughs) Did you mention Jesus at all? Yes, of course. <laughs> all of these kids, message. all of these kids love Jesus. So, you know, it was just natural in the conversation. It was a great <laughs> afternoon and evening. Right. Right, Matthew. It really was. <laughs> the and chief you brought of- brats. So <laughs> no complaints from me. Bratwurst for Matthew and he cooked them and, and homemade ice cream. It just, you know, it doesn't get any better than that. No, it really doesn't. Well, maybe if you have the right uh, 
talk show, et that's cetera, true. and the that's two right. guests that we have, Absolutely. maybe that's a little bit better. Uh, I just met Brenda Quinn and really like her. She serves as pastor of spiritual formation at Living Way Fellowship in South Denver. She's been a writer for a whole lot of years. She's also authored the character profiles in the Life with God Bible. And Richard Foster is the founder of Renovari, a Christian nonprofit that models resources and advocates fullness of life with God, uh, experienced by grace through the spiritual practices of Jesus and the historical church. Richard has authored several books, including, and I'm going to mention this one and tell you a story, uh, Celebration of Discipline. That sold more than 2 million copies worldwide, and it's changed 2 million people, and I'm one of them. A number of years ago, and Richard won't remember this, but we were both speaking at a Gaither Praise Gathering, and he was teaching a seminar down the hall from the one I was teaching, and it and the seminars in that gigantic gathering had two or 3,000 people in them. Uh, and then the big thing in the auditorium would have ten or 15,000. But at any rate, I was teaching a seminar, and I heard that Richard, my hero, was teaching a seminar down the hall. So I said to all the people in my <laughs> seminar, I'm going to end this early. And... Um, I want you to sit there and shut up. I don't want you to ask me any questions because my hero is down the hall and I'm going to finally meet him. So leave me alone when I end this seminar. And those beloved people did not breathe. When I ended it, they just sat there quietly and I ran out the side door down the hallway into Richard's seminar that was breaking up. And I've got to admit, I was not very nice. I had to speak for another thing. So I elbowed my way through the crowd that had surrounded Richard. And he looked at me like shocked. And I said, uh, Dr. Foster, you don't know me, but I'm a preacher in Florida and your book changed my life. And I wanted to say thank you. And he shook my hand and I didn't. I didn't wash my hand for at least. <laughs> so and I, I was at, and I was at the book table and you came to the book table and said, you're not going to believe what I just did. <laughs> <laughs> so if I sound a bit intimidated uh, during this program, uh, that's because I'm a bit intimidated during this program. <laughs> But the book these guys have written is really great, and I've spent a lot of the morning with it. It's titled Learning Humility, A Year of Searching for Vanishing Virtue. And I hold this book in my nicotine-stained fingers. you got to get it. Uh, I don't know. Brenda, Richard... Is this kind of a book like humility and how I achieved it? <laughs> <laughs> the very last thing that we want is an expert on humility. <laughs> we're, we're, 
we are all learners in this. And uh, when I began writing this book, one of the first things I did was ask Brenda and four or five other folk to just read what I was writing chapter by chapter and uh, give some comments. And Brenda's comments were so insightful, so helpful, that when uh, the day came that, wow, we have a book, I asked Brenda if she might uh, just uh, come along when we have these podcasts, these times together, uh, and, uh, and, and just bring her insights into how all of these things work in the context of a, of a church community that have, you know, boy, that's where the, the struggle really happens uh, to see. Uh, it's so easy to see arrogance. It's so easy to see narcissism. But we look, we look for humility, and Brenda is one that is so good at searching that out for us. So that's why I asked her to join me in this. Well, there uh, were other reasons. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. sometimes I look at her and look at you, and there is a difference. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, so I want you to know, Richard, it was a wise wise move well we let, let me just living. say Go ahead. let me just say quickly you know i i just think the very fact that richard invited me into the conversation just just shows that you know the work on th this journey of humility and and just the beautiful things that it's done in richard that he didn't want to be the only one speaking and he he wanted to invite a partner in on it and it's it's certainly not because i have so much to say but um it's it's just nice that he wanted to not be the only one speaking and share this well, conversation. That's a good quality. And yeah. by the way, I'm a cynical old preacher. And uh, Richard Foster's the real deal, as you know. But Brenda, don't sell your, you know, you've been, you've been living in this humility thing. It's okay to say, I had some wonderful insights, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, guys, we, we really are living in a culture where uh, uh, this is vanishing, isn't it? I mean, that's not something that anybody wants. And in fact, uh, having humility is an evil. Uh, things have been reversed, and it's kind of scary, isn't it? Yes, indeed. That was why I was drawn toward this topic, because as I as I looked around in the culture, I saw this most basic fundamental virtue disappearing. But when I would read the great writers through Christian history, I saw that they valued this virtue highly. And I kept thinking, why is it conflict? Richard, and, uh, hold that right so, there. This is a teaser for the next uh, section of this program, and you don't want to go anywhere. By the way, the book is Richard J. Foster and, uh, and Brenda Quinn and Learning Humility. Don't go away. Like Jesus, we're returning.
Hi, this is Eric, producer of Steve Brown, etc. If you've been listening very long, you know I'm a struggling believer, and I'd love to share some things that have helped. At Key Life, we believe that the deepest message of the ministry of Jesus and the Bible is the radical grace of God for sinners and sufferers. And we have four mini books that'll help you believe that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, God's not mad at you. Feeling Guilty, Suffering, and Faith and Doubt by Steve Brown will help you apply healing biblical truth to where it hurts the most. And my mini book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, shows that coming to the end of ourselves is actually the beginning of faith. These four mini books are in the Grace for Sinners and Sufferers mini book combo, and it's available at keylife.org for a suggested donation of $12. They're also individually available for a suggested donation of $4. Hey, you're listening to Steve Brown, etc. And we're talking to Richard Foster and Brenda Quinn. They have collaborated to write a new book and it is something you got to get. It just came out this week and you can find it at any place where good books are sold. And if they don't sell it, don't patronize that place because it has something significant lacking in the products that they offer. Uh, the name of the book is Learning Humility, A Year of Searching for a Vanishing Virtue. And Richard, on the other side of the break, we were talking about it being a vanishing virtue. In fact, right. it's not even thought of as a virtue. And you were talking about that. Well, as I had read the great writers through history, they saw this humility as so foundational to a life, to, you know, Jesus' words that you might have life and have it more abundantly, and humility most basic. But today, today, what, you know, I... I compliment you on being willing to talk about a virtue that is so uh, uh, not even thought of today. And uh, for those who are listening, I was thinking of uh, you as uh, before we came on uh, to to be willing to listen on a subject that is. Uh, I mean, who thinks about it today? So uh, I, as I was thinking that through, and it was actually on a New Year's Eve, I was contemplating New Year's resolutions. Now, I don't like them because, you know, for the most part, they last a week and a half. And, uh, you know, but I did have that deep sense, just two words, learn humility. And I thought, oh, my. Is the Lord, you know, uh, nudging me toward this virtue for myself to learn it? And uh, so I begin just jotting notes and thoughts uh, in a kind of journal format and almost stream of consciousness, just writing away. And uh, as things went along and I began to invite some others to think about these ideas with me, that's when we begin to see. I mean, 
the early Greeks, uh, I mean, Aristotle wrote a whole book on virtue and never mentioned mm. humility. It's the Jesus event, the the birth, the life, the teaching, the death, the resurrection that turned the whole culture around to begin thinking about humility because, I mean, that is Jesus. Mm. And uh, so as I began pondering that, I, I uh, decided I should write on it. And uh, so that's, that's how it all came about. Brendan, were you there anyway? Were you thinking in those terms or was that a kind of a new way for you to walk? Well, I think maybe for all of us, for most of us that are that are walking daily with Jesus, if we're if we're in the Word, we're we're reading about humility a lot because it's mentioned a lot in Scripture. Um, so yes, I, I and I think working in the church, it's always something that um, is part of just part of consciousness because we live in a world where humility isn't promoted, and a lot of our public figures aren't necessarily committed to it. Uh, and even, even in the church with leadership, it, it can be, um, it can be conflicting because we're, we're kind of soaking in a world where we, we get messages that we're supposed to be promoting ourselves and we're supposed to be um, just on the forefront, pushing our ideas and um, mm. push, you know, making a platform for ourselves and, and doing these things that, that help us get, get the message across. So in some ways it feels like a good thing to do, but yet we know, we know that Jesus was humble. We know that we're commanded toward humility and to being Christ-like in our lives. And so I think it can just feel like we're caught in a hard place sometimes mm. as Christians. So I, I very much when... resonated when I heard Richard's book idea, because it just feels like in this culture, this is needed. Oh, boy, is it? Mm -hmm. They used to say at the mm -hmm. seminary, they they uh, take a preacher and give him a microphone, place him six feet above everybody else and shine a spotlight on him and tell him to be humble. <laughs> Matthew? Yeah, I love love how timely this is. And, 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 and you're like, yeah, humility. I know that. Yeah. But I'm like, I would be hard pressed to try to think of any time I've heard that taught on but um but the, your approach on this surprised me two ways one like you said your style of writing where i would expect well let's here's what i learned about humility and then and, and it's much more hey i'm gonna i'm gonna go on a walk do you want to do you want to come with me let's let's hang out it really has that kind of writing shotgun feel and once you read it you're like but of course of course that's the way to approach this um and love it. And the second thing is you integrated time in an interesting way, a calendar. I have never seen that before. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you would tell us a little bit about that and why you chose that approach. It's fascinating. Well, it began for me with someone had given me for a New Year's gift a bright, I don't care for this a bright red journal. And I thought, oh, well, all right. And I began <laughs> scribbling, you know, I mean, not 
it had lines, but I didn't pay much attention to that. I'd ride up <laughs> the side and down and around and reading materials. And uh, and I didn't want to follow the the Latin Gregorian calendar, you know, January, February, March. That just felt a little too much. I So I chose a, a Native American calendar, the Lakota moon calendar. And uh, I'm part of my background as Native American, though uh, Ojibwa, but I like the Lakota calendar. And so I use that uh, as a way of uh, just counting the days. And it allowed me to, you know, follow both the 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 church year. Uh, when we came to Lent, I began using a lot of things, but also tying in, to, I decided, why don't I learn a little about Lakota culture? Because it's an oral culture, but they have virtues. Uh, and there was a book, The Lakota Way, uh, 12 Virtues. The first one was humility. Humility, wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, uh, it's a different way to approach the subject. And the way Matthew put it is well put kind of like you invited us to go with you as you walked and uh, you were telling us things you were thinking and learning and places where you're growing that's not the first time you've done that but you haven't used uh, different names for months which is creative and i like it you're gonna like this book you've got to get it we're gonna rest up hard work coming back From Key Life comes two mini books, What Do You Do for a Living and Life After Retirement. What Do You Do for a Living by Justin Holcomb addresses the problem of defining ourselves by what we do and how we perform in our work instead of by who we know, a gracious, loving God who defines who we are. Life After Retirement by Steve Brown examines how those transitioning from work to retirement often experience a loss of purpose in life and how the quest for personal significance can best be answered by God's radical grace, love, and purpose for our lives sufficient to carry us through this transition. What do you do for a living and life after retirement can help guide people struggling with either work or retirement. These two Key Life mini books are available through keylife.org for a donation of $6. so glad that you're a part of this you recognize that when you give your time that is a that is an important gift and we appreciate your being with us very much we're uh, hanging out with richard foster and brenda quinn and they've collaborated to write a new book and it is wonderful it's titled learning humility a year of searching for a vanishing virtue um, Richard and, and Brenda, sort of uh, going along the lines of what Brenda was talking about earlier with our 
uh, social media, self-promotion, building a platform and so forth. seems like in our age, people could easily or maybe tend to hear the word humility and think humiliation that they, you know, it's somehow some sort of uh, uh, self-abuse almost or something. But um, um, and and so we may think we know it when we see it, but we probably don't. Can you just basically give us what it is? Tell us what humiliation or humility is. I know. I know what humiliation is, as I just illustrated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Humiliation is the opposite. It is the destruction, the pressing down the. uh, But humility is uh, think of the word humus. It brings us to the earth uh, so that. It's a it's a recognition of who we really are. We don't puff ourselves up beyond what we should be. We don't try to denigrate ourselves. In fact, it it is a sort of self-forgetfulness in a way. Here's a statement from C.S. Lewis, who was so able to just capture an image of something. And here he's describing humility. He writes... Do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man or woman, of course, he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be a sort of greasy, smarthy person who is always telling you that, of course, he is nobody. Probably all you will think about him is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. If you do dislike him, it will because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. Isn't that lovely? (laughs) Wow. That's good. And so there's a sense, isn't there, uh, that the circumstances that a God ordains in our personal lives that are sometimes uh, shattering, we think, bring us to the end of ourselves where that doesn't matter anymore and other things are more important. Yes. Let me give you God's address. It is... <laughs> At the end of your rope. (laughs) That works for me. I don't like it. Uh, (laughs) But it works for me. His power does make perfect and weakness and and uh, and things like that. Kathy, we're coming sort of to the end of this um, segment. But why don't you why don't you speak up and then we'll address the things that you bring up in your wisdom on the other side of the break. <laughs> well, I was going to focus. I started off thinking that I wanted to focus in on the quote in the book, which says humility is seeing yourself as you are and kind of get you to unpack that for us a little bit. But I think we I think we just did some of that. So if there's more on that, that both of you would, would like to do when we come back after the break, that would be fine. But the other thing is I, I'm 
you know, you were talking about how you were, um, Richard, how you were just started off with this, like jotting things down. And then you were talking with other people and they were giving you additional insights, et cetera. And as all of this was coming together, um, there's a there's just so much there's there's so much to this. And I'm and I'm and I'm thinking was there something in particular or were there a couple things in particular that were just really surprising to you that really you kind of went, Oh, wow. I never thought of that. Cause I, it's hard for me to think that like Richard Foster, who's written a hundred million books and you know, et cetera, that something would come as a great surprise, surprise to you. I mean, everything comes as a surprise to me, but um, you know, but I mean, sometimes I think as you read stuff, you know, your mind just kind of goes, I never thought of that um, because you get insights that are coming from other people as well. Like you were talking about how much insight you got from Brenda um, and vice versa. I'm sure Brenda, you got from him as well. So maybe as we get on the other side of the break, we could get into that a little bit as well. That was very long. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, let it cook on the back burner for a bit. Uh, We expect once you give it some thought, uh, pray about it. Uh, this is, after <laughs> yeah. all, Richard Foster. Yeah. That when we come back after the break, what you will say will be profound uh, and uh, very, very wise. <laughs> we're, we're talking to Richard Foster and Brenda Quinn, and the book is a delight. It's a life changer. Learning Humility, a year of searching for a vanishing virtue. So get it and give it to your friends. They'll rise up and call you blessed. And you'll rise up and call us blessed for having told you about it. irritated when the electricity went out. No television, no music, no Netflix. Then he discovered that the battery on his smartphone was dead. He decided to make some coffee, but when he went to the kitchen, he realized that without electricity, he couldn't even do that. Then he noticed his wife in the kitchen, and he sat down and talked to her. He said later, you know, She seemed like a very nice lady. I know, I know, technology's good, but sometimes go talk to somebody face-to-face. You might be surprised how nice and real they are. It's messy sometimes, but Jesus would like it. I'm Steve Brown. You think about that. Share what you just heard with a friend. Go to youthinkaboutthat.com. Hey, thanks for joining us. We're hanging out with Richard Foster and Brenda Quinn. You can keep up with Richard at R-E-N-O-V-A-R-E dot org. And on Twitter at Foster Every Day. Brenda, are you online? Am I online? Um, Not really. I'm so busy as a pastor. I used to do a blog, and I'm sorry, but I I just, my day-to-day is so full. 
I get it. Your your wisdom is incredible and astonishing. I am officially going to go offline. <laughs> Kathy. Okay, before the break, um, I, I was just mentioning that I, I love the way Richard was talking about how he began the whole process and, you know, noodling and doodling and jotting things down and then getting other people to participate. And as all that began to come come together, were there things that were just incredibly surprising as you worked your way through this this whole subject matter of humility, both of you and your interaction with each other and others who participated as well? So I think for me, um, we've been doing a lot of talking about the book and about humility and all kinds of different aspects. And we've been doing writing for Renovari about it. And in early in the book, I think it's in the very first chapter, Richard talks about Jesus and that Jesus is our model for humility. And he uses the passage from Philippians 2, 5 to 8. And I'm just going to quickly read it. I know you're probably familiar with this passage. It says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied, Mm. emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And I've known that passage for years and years and memorized that passage but the more I have thought about this passage and the fact that if Jesus had not humbled himself, he would not have come to this earth as a human being, right? And he would not have given himself and his life for us to take our sin away. And we would not have an eternity with God. And so we can we can think about the quality of humility as just one of the many virtues and one of the things that like the fruits of the spirit, we're all seeking to exhibit these things in our life. But really, when you think about what Jesus did and the humility that it took for him to come to this earth as God and put himself in a human body when he didn't have to do that and he had the glory of all creation that he deserved and that was due him, our lives are eternally changed because Jesus humbled himself. And so when I think about that in the context of we're not just supposed to take on a little bit of humility so we can be a little bit like Jesus a little bit more, but think about if every Jesus follower in our world took seriously humbling themselves as Jesus did, how would our world be affected? Mm. What, 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 what would happen in our world if we took this seriously and humbled ourselves, allowing his life to, to live through us, which is, is what, is happening. We, we're all, we're all holding Christ within us. And if we allow that humility of Jesus to come through us in this world, I don't even think we have the beginnings of being able to understand how God will change this world through us. Mm. So that so has been really huge for me. Wow. Yes. Now it's huge for me. Richard, what surprised you? Well, you know, as I began the process, <clears throat> I would do different little experiments for myself, uh, take a passage and think on it for a time. But then the surprising thing was how this is best done in community, that others would chime in and I would learn from them. And uh, or they might challenge 
me about something. And uh, so it was a whole community project. Uh, Brenda was involved and a number of others. And now we're a dispersed community, so people from all over. But one of the wonderful things is exactly what we're doing now, the technology that allows us to really communicate with each other. And uh, so it was a surprise to just see how as as different ones saw this virtue from different angles could bring insight into the process of uh, of dreaming a little bit about such a, in a way, such a simple virtue, uh, just basic, being grounded in the earth, but complicated in the sense that it involves whole our whole life experience and people we are involved with and learning from one another. You take Paul's words, submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mutual subordination out of reverence for Christ. And mm-hmm. how that works in our lives, that was a wonderful surprise, a lovely surprise. Mm. Wow. Mm. Wow. It seems, yeah. So it, it seems like as we're discussing this, that one of maybe the unexpected benefits of journeying along, learning about humility would be freedom of, Hey, if you can forget about yourself, realize that you don't have to feed the me monster Everything opens up. So less about, oh, I ought to be uh, seek towards humility. It's like, do yourself a favor. Learn humility. It's going to open up a lightness that you didn't know was possible. Thoughts on that? Exactly. Good teaching. The freedom. The Think of the this wonderful freedom to lay down this everlasting burden of making sure that everybody thinks we're wonderful. Just letting go of that and what a joy that is and how that we can then just live with each other. We don't have to try to impress or (laughs) I used to years ago teach at a university and it was interesting to watch faculty, um, you know, one of the things they would never say is, I don't know. <laughs> they always have to come up with some kind of answer. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> what a burden wow. that is! <laughs> oh yeah, wow. to be free, you guys, you're a delight, and it's been uh, it's been so good having you with us. I uh, I hope we can do this again. It's been fun, and it's been freeing, and it's been good. Thanks for taking time from both of you from a busy schedule and spending this hour with us. Thank the you. name of the book, by the way, is Learning Humility, A Year of Searching for a Vanishing Virtue. You just got to get it. You got to read it. Apply it. And then you will be a humble spiritual giant like me. 
We're coming you back. You had to ruin it, didn't you? Yeah. Don't go anywhere. We'll tell you who we're going to do it unto next week. Hi, this is Eric, producer of Steve Brown, etc. If you've been listening very long, you know I'm a struggling believer, and I'd love to share some things that have helped. At Key Life, we believe that the deepest message of the ministry of Jesus and the Bible is the radical grace of God for sinners and sufferers. And we have four mini books that'll help you believe that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, God's not mad at you. Feeling Guilty, Suffering, and Faith and Doubt by Steve Brown will help you apply healing biblical truth to where it hurts the most. And my mini book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, shows that coming to the end of ourselves is actually the beginning of faith. These four mini books are in the Grace for Sinners and Sufferers mini book combo, and it's available at keylife.org for a suggested donation of $12. They're also individually available for a suggested donation of $4. What a great hour uh, with, uh, with these guys. Uh, it was, uh, Brenda was a great addition, and spending time with Richard Foster was a gift. I didn't get a chance to ask him, but I think I know his answer. The humble people know they're humble. The humble people walk around saying, you know, God has given me this gift and I'm really glad for it. I think probably we find that the people who think that they are not humble, but want to be probably are and don't know it. So it's a virtue that you can't brag about because it's like the man who won the award for being the most humble man in his club and they took it away because he wore it. (laughs) Humility is something that happens without your awareness. And by the way, goodness in general is like that. I think most good people don't know they are just as most humble people don't know they are. I wish I could have asked Richard, but I kind of feel he would have said, because I've read so much of Richard Foster, that he would have said, well, he wouldn't say bingo, but he would mean that because what I said was really good. And by the way, uh, I want to just as a gift, since you can't get into his gated community, I want you to see uh Uh, The light show that John Myers, uh, our IT guy, puts on every year and nobody sees. Uh, And uh, I want you to be as impressed as we are with it. Hey, Kathy. Yes. Who's going to be on next week? Oh, next week is everybody's favorite show. Our listeners and our viewers love our Christmas show because everybody either dresses up very festively or they have some kind of decoration behind them for Christmas. And I promise that you all will have some kind of Christmas goodies to eat during the program. So Mm -hmm. you just don't want to miss 
the Steve Brown, et cetera, Christmas show, which will have one, two, three, four, five of us, six of us who will be happy to be here and one who has to. <laughs> Mr. Brown, Robbie <laughs> <Brophy> Scrooge. <laughs> that hurts. And I'm well, a I know, but so the truth hurts. I'll get so you on Mr. It's okay because I'm humble. That's right. And for, oh, I forgot been about so that. so humble, I can accept those things. Oh, goodness. And it'll be fun. <laughs> Guys, it is going to be fun, and we hope you join <laughs> us. Between now and then, uh, don't do anything we wouldn't do. And that gives you a wide, wide berth. I can bring them in on Monday, but I can get them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>